0: And uh, anyway, all right, God, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together today as the saints. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that every person would be encouraged, would be strengthened according to your word, according to your spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for what you've just done. We thank you, Lord, you're continuing to do it. I thank you, Lord, that you don't just stay in the musical prayer times, but you are here, Lord, even through the preaching. God, I thank You, Lord, that You never leave us or forsake us, that You have come and made Your home in us. And we are hungry to hear from You today. We are hungry to hear Your Word. We are hungry to know You more. God, we are a church that hungers after You. And I thank You, Lord, that You'll meet our expectation, our faith this morning. We don't want to walk out here with some information. We want to hear Your heart. We want to be strengthened in faith. And I thank You, Holy Spirit, that that's exactly what I believe You're planning on doing. So we just bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to be looking at a really famous passage of Scripture um, today. And most of you will know the last part of it, but we're going to read the whole thing. Uh, but it says, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I plans for a hope and a future. And it's just such a good thing if you were on... Um, we used to do this thing called summer missions where we'd go at campgrounds in summer and we would uh, run free kids clubs. And uh, that was like the go-to verse. And so if you went on a summer mission, you knew that verse. And every time it came on, you knew the actions. I didn't see any actions when we read that out, but there's a bunch of actions. And it's an amazing promise. It's a great um, promise of God. But I want to look at the entirety of I was reading this the other day, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So we're going to go to Jeremiah 29, verse one, if you're taking notes, this is called a hope and a future. Amen. Anyone want a hope in a future? Four people, amazing. Hopefully by the end, we all want a hope in a future. All right, Jeremiah wrote a letter to Jerusalem, to the elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebi. Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jeho, 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 Jeho-Chin. The queen mother, the court officials, the other officials, Judah, and all the craftsmen, the artisans, artisans had been departed from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elash, son of Shephan, and Jer- Jeremiah, Jerima, son of... You think I would have learned from last week, guys. Learn the words, hey, seriously. Come on. Uh, they went to Babylon as King uh, Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of the heavens' armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Funny context, if you read the book of Jeremiah, it's not funny. I don't know why I said that. It's very interesting that Jeremiah is prophesying one thing, and then the other prophets and priests that were in Jerusalem close to the king were prophesying another. Um, The book of Jeremiah actually addresses um, false prophets, uh, because they were saying, hey, no, stay, stay in Jerusalem um, because nothing's going to happen to us. We're going to be fine. Um, God's going to look, look, look after us. But Jeremiah's prophecy was actually like, no, guys, Babylon's coming. You shouldn't stand against them. You should actually go with them. Amazing, because if we were to look at that with um, history in, in mind, God had always delivered the city of Jerusalem. He would always um, fight off the armies and people who would come against it. But God's like, hey, um, there's been a bunch of different worship going on. You guys are sacrificing your kids to other gods. I've time and time and time and time again come to you and said, this isn't good. You haven't repented. Actually, you've just gone further. Then he sends Jeremiah and and gives them multiple opportunities to actually repent, and they don't do it. And so he's saying, well, this is what's going to happen. You're actually going to go into exile. But the other priest that was saying, no, it's fine, guys. Nothing's going to happen. And it's amazing that in this book, um, uh, Jeremiah says, God says, well, how can you prophesy when you're not in my courts? It says that the, the prophets were prophesying out of their own minds and their own hearts. He says that the prophets were running, but I didn't send them. The prophets were speaking, but I never gave them words. Um, just a healthy reminder today that not everyone who says, thus saith the Lord, is actually speaking from the Holy Ghost. Just because someone knows that even their Bible doesn't mean that they've got the revelation of the Holy Spirit of what that actually means. A lot of damage has been done in the body of Christ because Scriptures have been taken out of context. Someone looks smart. They say something. I mean, even getting on YouTube and watching a bunch of end-time prophecies and then believing that you're hearing from God that the same thing's going to happen, what you're feeding on can actually become your filter. So you can actually be feeding on the wrong things and saying, thus says the Lord, but really you've just been watching end days prophecies for the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in, in all honesty, now I'm not saying that the end of the world's not coming, but what I am saying is, if you wanna hear from God and actually prophesy, you have to be in His courts. You have to be in relationship with Him. You have to be in intimacy with Him. It's not about going around and meeting up with other people and saying, what do you hear? what do you hear?" Oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna say the same thing. no. What's the Lord saying? Because in this context, it makes sense that, no, let's stay in Jerusalem. God's going to protect us. But the prophet was saying, no, go to Babylon. It's like, well, why Why we go to Babylon? This is God's city. This is Jerusalem. This is, well, the prophet, the man of God is saying, go to, give up. Actually hand yourselves over to them and go with them or else you're going to get famine and sword and amazing, Right. So it's just in context, even in the days we live in, really good just to know that whoever you're listening to is actually hearing from the Lord. And we actually have a a, a responsibility with our relationship with God to say, hey, is this right? Like, does this check out? Like, what are you saying, Lord? Is this just me? I've got people in my life that if I feel like I've heard from God, I'll go to community and say, this is what I'm hearing. Because I want to know that I'm actually hearing from God, not just making up my own thing or prophesying through my own lens, or hearing my, with my own heart, I want to know that I'm actually hearing from God. So I will submit that to community. There's a lot of people out there that are giving prophecies, and why, they're not even connected to community. They don't even have a pastor. They don't have anyone they're connected to. They're not even in a community where they're weighing up the words. Because a, a, a true prophet, you're actually meant to have fruit. Jeremiah's like, the stuff I said happened. <laughs> Amen. This is what worries me about the world today. We have YouTube, Facebook, and anyone can get on there and give a prophecy. I want to know that they're connected. I want to know that they're in community. I want to know that they've got oversight. I want to know that they're submitting the word before other people and saying, hey, what do you think? And carrying a bit of weight, right? Anyway, praise God. If you've got a prophecy, prophesy it. If it's life, say it. If you want to check it out and have fruit, keep, keep, keep account of it, right? Anyway, where do we get to? Right, here's what Jeremiah's letter said to the exiles, the God of Israel. Uh, says to the captives that he's exiled to Babylon and Jerusalem build homes come on I know there's some people building homes right now this is a word for you build homes build homes uh, and plan to stay okay build homes and plan to stay good word for Queenstown no more transient culture build a home plan to stay come on now we love (laughs) we love having people come and go but if you want to stay that's cool as well (laughs) Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Come on. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Come on, multiply. Do not dwindle away. Work for peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Now, listen, we'll preach. Everyone went quiet on that one. You want to hear that again? Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile. I'm a 100% firm believer that where God has sent you, you should be praying for the for the favor of the city that you're in. You should want it to be prosperous. You should want it to succeed. My dad, he's an amazing man of God. He's been praying over Invercargill for years. And thanks be to my father who has prayed for Invercargill to be the promised land, my house price went double And I'm just like, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. He's just believing for prosperity over his region. And I actually think there's actually a spiritual principle in that. So anyway, so we're praying. We're praying for the welfare of our city. Um, Do not dwindle away. Do not dwindle away. Multiply and do not dwindle. Uh, Other versions say increase and do not decrease. Increase and do not decrease. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I don't know a lot of people right now who are praying for New Zealand. The welfare of New Zealand. We shouldn't be praying against New Zealand. We should be praying for the welfare of New Zealand because I believe that the land's welfare is connected to our welfare because God has sent us to New Zealand. Amen. So we're praying for the welfare of uh, our city. This is what the Lord of her, of heaven armies the god of Israel says do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of babylon trick you do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name i have not sent them says the lord this is what the lord says you will be in babylon for 70 years but when i come and and do for you all the good things i have promised and i will bring you home again and here we get into the famous verse for i know the plans i have for you says the lord they are plans for good And not for disaster. Amazing the context, guys. He's talking to uh, people who have been uh, removed from their city and put into exile in a foreign land with not a godly government and not not a not a Christian nation. But they've been sent there, and God's saying, "I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen." If you look for me wholeheartedly, I love what um, someone said on the platform today. Let's seek the Lord wholeheartedly. You will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Incredible. I want to talk to you today uh, a couple of different things that regardless of where you are, God wants you to prosper. In the midst of being in exile and captivity, the Lord is saying to the to the Israelites, hey, make houses, get married, plant a garden, eat fruit, just get involved in the city that I've placed you. Now, at the moment, we have a different, uh, I see two tracks of theology. One is, um, let's go to Glory veil vale. The other is... Seriously, one is retreat, one is, one is draw back, one is remove yourself from the world, one is, hey, hey, we're in captivity, we feel like we're in Babylon, let's, 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 let's decrease. Jeremiah is saying, hey, even when you're in captivity, I want you to increase. I want you to carry on with your life. I want you to still seek me. I want you to be on mission. I want you to be engaged. I want you to be in the world, but not of it. I want you to actually be part of it, I don't want you to decrease. I want you to increase because I, I, the Lord, am with you. So even though you're in a land of captivity, even though you're in a nation that doesn't favor you, I am with you. I want you to increase. I want you to have children. I want you to have grandchildren. I want you to plan on staying. <laughs> I want you to plan on staying. Do you, do you know what happens to our lives when we think that something's over? We draw back. We draw back. Like if you're finishing up your job, You know, and you're like, you're not putting in as much effort on the last day because you're like, well, I'm not coming here next week. (laughs) What happens to us when we see an end or we don't have a hope or a future, we begin to decrease. Now, God's word to the Israelites was when you go into this land of captivity, I want you to multiply. I want you to make houses. I want you to just get it done. I want you to be engaged. I actually want you to pray for the welfare of that city. Why would I pray for the welfare of Babylon? Because your welfare is connected to that welfare. It's amazing our, our our concepts because actually if Christians are functioning well in a city or in a nation, it's actually meant to be blessed. We all would agree with that, right? That if we are involved in our city, if we're involved in our nation, if we're in it and we're praying for the welfare of it and we're just being who we are, we're being Christ here, we're, we're representing Jesus, it should actually make our cities and our nation better, right? So my question is, how do you do that if you're not in it? How do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that if you're not in it? Because Jesus says, I don't pray that I, that you take them out of the world. I pray that they'll be in it, that you keep them safe. So our, our theology, when times get um, crazy or confusing, should never be pulled back. It should never be pulled back. Like if, you, if your thoughts right now are, I need to go off-grid, I need to build a cabin in the woods and just come off grid. Now, I hear hear the heart in that. And if that's the way that you want to live sustainably, whatever, right? But what I'm saying is we're actually on mission. We're actually in a world to reach a world. Now, when Jesus came, he didn't go to the backwoods of the desert, set up shop, and just hang out there all to himself. He went there for times of refreshing. 100% he did. But he didn't live out in the middle of the bush, having no contact with people because he actually came to reach the world. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> We're actually meant to be in it to reach it, right? Um, th- this is funny. I grew up in, uh, I didn't know if I grew up. I think I was quite young in it, but my granddad was quite heavily involved in it. But this, there was a movement that went through the church about Jesus was coming back. And I'm just gonna break a few lies today that there's been a lot of generations that have believed that, their generation is going to be the last generation and Jesus coming back. Now, I'm not mocking them, but I am saying we're still here. We're still here, guys. And I'm not saying that Jesus isn't coming back. I'm saying I don't know the time. I don't believe you do either. But what I am saying is this principle remains the same, that regardless of when Jesus comes back, we are still called to occupy. So so what happened back in the day is that um Everyone thought Jesus was coming back, so everyone took this big retreat. No longer are we preaching and saving souls and being um, in our community and being in positions of influence and being in our government and being in the arts and being in all the pillars of society. We drew back because Jesus is coming, right? Jesus is coming. So our theology was draw back, draw back, draw back, draw back. Jesus is coming. I don't believe that that is correct theology. I believe that we are meant to occupy until he comes, I actually believe that we're living in the fruit today in the world because a generation made a decision to draw back. Like we're all sitting around saying, "Where's, where's the Christian politicians? Where's, where's the Christian this? Where's it?" Well, we all made it. <laughs> Guys, we got told Jesus was coming back. Everyone packed their bags. <laughs> we all, we all withdrew from the world we're trying to reach, and then he delayed. And now we're living in the fruit of that. Now we're like, "Whoa, what's going on? Where, where is, where is everyone in these?" positions of influence. Where's, where's the Daniels? Where's the Josephs? Where's all these people that are like influencing government and, 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 and in there? And I believe we need to get back to it because Jesus may not come back for another 200 years, friend. So what's the world going to look like for your kids? What's the world going to look like for your grandkids? Because we're actually meant to be making a plan that we're here to stay. <laughs> we're here to stay. Amen. We heard this funny story from... Um, uh, from a From a church over in america um, he 's one of the tutors in in, in, in the school i 'm attending and uh, they were saying how this couple uh, quite a few couples actually got married because they believed that Jesus was coming back in two years, but when he delayed, they were all seeking marriage counseling because they thought we can stay married for two years but now it 's <laughs> now it 's like we 're like ten now we 're like he 's still not come back we need to work on this thing and so it does actually if you if you don 't have If you don't have a correct view of the return of Christ, it actually can get really weird and messed up. And it actually causes us to retreat instead of to go forward. Right? Let's go to Luke 19.13. Sorry, Luke 19.11. This is Jesus speaking. They heard these things. He proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Again, we're talking about the return. They believed that he was going to come back straight away. He said, Therefore, A nobleman went into a country to receive himself a kingdom and then returns, talking about Jesus, right? Going to go bring it and bring it back and restore all things, yeah? Uh, Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minors and said to them, engage in business until I come. Again, we're hearing the same words again. We've got Old Testament picture, we've got New Testament picture. Engage in business until I come. Now, If you don't get anything else out of this today, engage in business until he comes. What does that mean? That means to be engaged in my community. That means to be engaged in my life. That means to be engaged in my calling. It means to be engaged in my family. It means that I have not disengaged in any area. I will keep doing what God has me to do until he decides to come back. Now, that, that needs to be not just my personal vision or heart. It needs to be us as a church, that we continue to reach out. We continue to be engaged in the work of Christ. Amen. So engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered those servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Come on, Jesus. The first came before him saying, Lord, your miner has made 10 miners more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your miner has made Five miners, and he said to him, "You are to be over five cities." Then another came and said, "Lord, here is your miner, which I kept and laid away in a handkerchief." This is this. What what are we looking at right here? No progress. We're talking at two two servants or two people who understood the kingdom that I'm going to continue to occupy and do business until the king returns. And now we have one servant who's like. I'm not doing anything with it. Jesus is coming back. I'm packing my bags. I'm just going to hold on to the one thing he's given me. It didn't go down too well for this guy. Now, I'm not saying that to bring fear or condemnation. What I'm saying is Jesus is highlighting the point that until he returns, we should be on mission. Until he returns, we should be engaged. (sighs) Come on. I'm trying to preach to a heart today. I just... I'm so stirred that we're actually meant to be involved. Do you know the, the one downside to my job is that I'm in this bubble with Christians, and I love I love you, I love you I do, but I miss I miss the building site. Honestly, people say to me I want to get a job with Christians. I'm like, don't do it. It's so boring. Don't do it. don't do it. I lo- I love I love being on the building site. I love the banter. I love the things that are said. I love that I get to, like, show my faith. It's, it sucks showing my faith to you guys because you guys have all got it. I, I like to be in a place where I look different. I like, I like to be in that environment. I like to have the awkward conversations. I loved it when they used to come on the building site and we listened to Life FM and they're like, oh, man, what's this rubbish? And I'm like, man, it's, it's, it's worship music. I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah, I am. I love that. I love, and, they, and they're looking at you like, now you're some young fella, you know, you kind of look half cool, you look half normal. And it's like, "No, man, I love Jesus with all my heart. I miss that. I miss being, I miss being salt. I miss being light. I miss being out in there. And and I don't know why we've we've retreated because that's our mission field. That's why we're here. That's why we're not all beamed up to heaven right now because we're actually here to do something. Come on, God is, God is, God is wanting us to, to multiply, to increase, not to decrease. I don't want you to dwindle away, church. I don't believe that he's coming back for a church that's dwindled away. I believe he's coming back for a perfect spotless bride. I actually think he's coming back for a powerful, beautiful one, not one that's like, okay, oh. Do you know the return of Jesus isn't Jesus coming back because he's like, it's got too bad for them now, guys. He's not sitting up there and saying, yeah, they really need rescued right now. God has a completely different perception. God's like, no, I'm with them in the midst of it. No, I'm, I'm with them. They're powerful in me. They're going to change cities. They're going to change nations. They're going to do incredible things in my name. He's not up there saying, man, these guys are getting to hiding. These guys are... He's like, go for it. Go for it. Come on, we've we got to have a different perspective of why we're on the planet. He's not thinking, oh, man, they're bringing in all this stuff. I had no idea. I should really pull my people out now. He's not coming back for a great retreat, guys. He's coming back for an ultimate victory. He's not coming out to pull us and rescue us away. He's coming to establish His complete victory. This is why we always go in times when things get hard. Because our mentality is if things get hard, God's going to come and rescue us out. I want to challenge your thinking. I want to challenge your theology that God has grace for us in the midst of whatever season we're living in. God has grace for us to actually not just survive this world, but actually to influence it. Amen. Anyone with, <laughs> anyone can just amen to that today? All right, thank you. And he said, uh, you are to be over five. Uh, where did I go to? There, there, he, there Here is your, your miner, which I kept and laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. Talk about fruitfulness. He said to him, I condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the Mina from him and give it to the one who has 10. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? It's in the Bible. Use it or lose it, that's what I say. (laughs) I'm not talking about your salvation, guys. I'm just saying. We actually have a responsibility, just sobering thought. We have a responsibility to actually steward and strengthen and multiply that what God has given us. That's what he calls faithfulness. Faithfulness is increase. Faithfulness is not holding it tight-handed and just saying, here it is, I give it back. He wants it back with interest. Come on. Come on, he wants it back with interest. Is he going to help you do that? 100%. Is he asking you to do it in your own strength? No, he's not. Come on, he's asking you to be faithful towards him. God, I understand that I'm called. I know that you have plans for me. I know that you've given me a hope and a future. I know that you've caused, you've, you want me to multiply, to increase, and not to decrease and dwindle away. So here I am in this world. It seems crazy, but here I am. Here's the gifts and the talents you've given me. Here's my life. I offer it to you. What would you have me do? What, where would you have me go? I'm yours. I lay down my life. That's what he's talking about. That's someone who uses what God has given them and says, hey, I want to increase it. God looks at that and says, I will honor that. I will honor someone who wants to increase what I've given them. A lot of us want more. We want increase, especially in the area of ministry and talents and gift. If you want to get better at prophesying, prophesy over someone. If you want to see people healed, pray for someone who's sick. If you want to to increase in the area of your finances, give of the little that you have and trust the Lord. Everything that we have gets multiplied when we give it to Him. So what are we doing with our lives? Are we we keeping our lives to ourselves and trying to just protect us? Or are we sowing our lives into this world to reach people? Amen. Oh, okay. So he said, those who stood by, take the minute from him, give it to those who had 10. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10. He already has 10. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. Wow, that's, that's a great investment. Everyone who has, more will be given. Well, that doesn't sound right. Everyone who has, more will be given. But, more, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for the enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. All right. You guys are good? You're doing well? We are called to reach this world. We are called to multiply and to increase. Jesus says, go out of the world, go into, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. Do you know when God wanted to save the world, He sent Jesus into it? God didn't stand afar off, He sent Himself into the world. To reach the world, he sent himself into the world to save the world. He sent himself into the world to reach the world. God's strategy has always been to partner with someone. Even Adam and Eve were in the world to to multiply, to be fruitful, to take dominion. He sent; they were in the world to reach it. God has always used those in the world to reach the world. Here's our conundrum, church, that if we think that we need to separate, as in we are distancing ourselves and cutting ourselves off from the people we're trying to reach, how are we meant to affect the world? The Bible says that you are salt. Well, salt is no good in the salt shaker. Would you put salt in it? No, I didn't put salt on it. It's in the salt shaker. Well, you have to put the salt on the food for it to work. So here's our theology, salt and a a salt shaker or or we've piled the salt in one corner of the plate. Now, if you do that, you're weird. (laughs) It's weird. Now, when I want to put salt in my food, it's amazing because I Google what salt does. You know, salt cuts out bitterness, brings a sweetness and savory flavor. Oh, that's a great analogy for us in the world. When we're in the world, we take away the bitterness and we bring the sweetness of God Oh, come on, Jesus. Or we could just all just stay on the side of the plate <laughs> and a big pile of salt and say, no, I've salted it. I've seasoned it. No, the salt goes in. It gets, I'd sprinkle, my son is, I don't know, I'm trying to help him out, but my son loves salt. He, he'll do it three or four times in a meal. He just, he's just going like this and he doesn't have the little bit open. He's got like the big pour apart and he's just, and you can see it on top and it's like, bro, what are you doing? Anyway, he's a great kid. But that's a perfect picture of how we're meant to be church. We are meant to be salt in the world. The Bible says that we're a light set on a hill. Now, a light set on a hill can be seen. It is meant to be seen. It is not a he says don't put your lamp or your or your your, your light under a bed. Why why would you light a lamp to hide it? Why would you be a Christian just to separate? Why why would you be a Christian and understand that greater is in who is in me than is in the world? but I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not in it. I'm not trying to reach it. I'm not praying for its prosperity. I'm not praying for the welfare of my city. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't wanna build a house. I don't wanna have plans. I don't wanna have kids. I don't wanna have grandkids. I just want Jesus is coming back. We don't need any of this. None of this stuff's gonna matter. I don't need to be involved in politics. I don't need to like go after government. I don't have to get in the arts. I don't have to be in sport. I don't need to be in education. I don't need to be on my school's board. It doesn't matter. Jesus is coming back. I don't need a witness to my friends because Jesus is coming back. It's too late. It's too late. I don't need to to have a long-term goal. I don't need to have a long-term vision about not just my life, but my kids and my grandkids. I don't need to think about the future. Well, God says, no, I've given you a hope and a future. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He's telling this to people who are in the midst of captivity. You're in a stink situation. It's not looking good. Most of your friends got wiped out. You're a little remnant left. I'm sending you to a nation that that is just crazy, and I want you to actually flourish in it. Wow. Now, talk about perspective shift, because most people I talk to cannot wait to get out of this place. Hopefully not church, but could be. After today's message, I don't know. But stay, you might get a coffee. All right. Most people want to get out. Most people want to retreat from the world. But Jesus says, no, I've sent you into the world. Come on, you, you're not of it. You're not of the same spirit. You don't act like they act. You're not, you're not in there to do what they do. But I want you to have the, the mindset that the world is mine, and I've called my people to actually steward it. I've called my people to actually steward it. I've, I've called you to bring heaven to earth. Most of us just want to go to heaven. I just need to get out of here. The earth's messed up. Well, well why not bring that <laughs> want to bring this down here? Do you know that's what Jesus was doing in His ministry? Bringing the kingdom of God to earth, to the world. They were experiencing healing, deliverance, salvation. They were experiencing peace, hope, the love of God, the joy of the Lord. They were experience- Do you think people in the cities when, Je- when Jesus was there, even though it was still on the Romans, you- do you think when Jesus was walking around doing miracles and people getting healed and set free and They're bringing all the sick people out, and they're all getting healed. Do you think that the town and the city were like, this is horrible? It's just getting darker and darker. The Bible says that when Jesus came, that the world has seen a great light. It pierced through the darkness. And I believe that the church is called to do what Jesus did. I believe that He's the firstborn among many brethren. I believe that He has given us the same Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, is alive in you and me. And so we're actually meant to be affecting the world we're in. And it, it is breaking my heart that so many of us have lost vision and lost mission. And we've got caught up in all this fear and all this and We're like, man, it's really bad. Jesus must be coming back. He might be coming back, friend. But He might be coming back in a thousand years. But the difference, the, the, the principle does not, does not change. Occupy till I come. Engage in business do i come have a plan have a hope have vision have vision not just for your generation but the coming generations and get locked in get locked into god get locked into prayer start building the church start manifesting the kingdom start praying for the sick start witnessing to your friends Tell them about the goodness of God. And then while you're at it, build a house, plant a garden, have a nice barbecue, enjoy Queenstown, get out on the lake, have a swim, go to the river, go travel the world, go preach the gospel when you go there, go to Tonga, go do what I've put in your heart, start an orphanage, come on, reach out to someone, do the plans that I've called you to do. This is what I believe that God is saying. Now don't take my word for it, you go talk to Him. But I do not believe that God is is signaling a massive retreat. I think he's trying to say to his church, church, advance. Come on, in the midst of captivity, can you just pray for the welfare of New Zealand? Can you just pray for our nation? Can you pray for your city? Can you actually just be salt and light in it and make it a bit more flavorsome? Can you stop retreating and start getting invested and get involved? We need to understand we have a hope, and His name is Jesus. We've got to understand that Jesus is still wanting to save and heal and deliver, and He does it through His people. But how do you do it through a disengaged people? How do, you, how do you do it when, 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 our, when our mindset, our lens is we need to get out? I've called you to be in it. I've called you to be in it. I've called you to reach it. I still look at the life of Jesus. I'm like, he, I, I still don't get it. I still don't understand the people he's hanging with. The most people he's having trouble with are the religious people. But he's hanging with prostitutes. He's hanging with sinners. He's hanging with tax collectors. When they come in contact with them, does their world get worse or better? Better. Zacchaeus stands up and says, whatever I've robbed, I I pay back fourfold. Why? Because Jesus came into the world and said, I'm going to go have lunch with a tax collector. We would say, stay away from the tax collector. Don't go near the tax collector. Jesus had a whole nother mindset. I'm, I'm in the world to save it. Even Jesus himself said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. That's in your Bible. Now, Jesus' strategy to save the world was to come to it, to be in it, to be born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, to grow up as a kid in a world that he was trying to save. Not trying to save, he saved it, but you know what I mean? He's in it. He didn't just rock up and just blink, bang, here I am, 30-year-old man. I'm going to do my three-year stint, and I'm out. He came into a world to rescue it. I believe the church is here to preach the gospel, to see people come to know Jesus. We cannot do that if we are separate from it. I'm not talking spiritually. I'm talking about how we're living. (sighs) I can tell you with my whole heart right now that as long as I'm here, this church will never become a haven for scared, I want out of the world people. I feel too strongly and convicted that you are not weak. You are not fearful. You are sufficient in Christ. You are a mighty people because of what God has done. We are not huddling in a survival huddle, waiting for a great rescue. We are the rescue. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said. The church is not a, a, a ship of luxury. It is a rescue ship. We are here to reach as many people as we can in our lifetime and in our kids' lifetime and our kids after that until Jesus says, hey, I'm coming back for the ultimate victory. Until then, we will engage. Until then, we will continue to preach the gospel. We will continue to pray and intercede. Until then, every every single person needs to make a personal, I don't know, declaration, (laughs) vow before the Lord, God, help me get out of the mindset that I need to disengage because I need to be engaged right now. The church needs to be engaged right now. I don't know if you've looked around the world, but I actually believe it's the absence of Christians that we're seeing half the stuff that we're seeing right now, because we are God's ambassadors on the the earth. The Bible says that the world, what is it? The world is, it was right in my brain, it went away. It's gone. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Do you know when Adam and Eve fell, the keys to the kingdom, the dominion, went to the devil. When Jesus died as a human being, went down to the grave and rose again. He says that I have the keys. I have the keys. And do you know who he gave those keys to? Just point to yourself and say me. He gave you the keys of the kingdom. Now, we will not have the keys to this whole house and lock the door and just pack up and leave. We will use those keys to unlock it, to get invested and involved in it, to reach as many people as we can because they're in our house. I don't know if you thought about that, guys, but they're in our house and we want them there. But we want them to know the owner of the home. So we don't leave. We don't vacate. We don't vacate what's been given to us. We multiply. We take dominion. When I say dominion, please don't think that we're dominating people. We fight against, we don't fight against flesh and blood, every principality and power. We war in the spirit. We war in the heavenlies. God. Queenstown is yours. New Zealand's yours. The nations of uh, of the earth are yours. That's why we go. That's why we're in it. That's why we're sowing. That's why we're preaching. That's why we're growing in Jesus. That's why we're here. Come on. Occupy till I come. Now, if that didn't have any relation to you today, that's fine. But you need to know, that God's promises to us are not based on how the external's looking. I actually believe that we're meant to be prospering even in the season we're living in. We're meant to be prospering, we're meant to be increasing. God is not determined by what's going on in the external. God has always provided, God has always made a way, God has always brought victory in the midst of craziness. Even when it looks like we're defeated, God still brings victory. And so we need a, we need a people that actually believe that. and the core of who they are, no, I'm here to reach the world. Because I can tell you right now, if that's my mindset and my mentality and my fundamental belief, my life is gonna look a whole lot different. If I'm just trying to survive earth so I can get to heaven, I've missed the Great Commission. Amen. I think everyone's had enough. All right. God, I just thank you for your people this morning. God, I've done my best to preach what I believe is your word. But God, I submit it before you. I thank you for every single person in this room would know that they are greater, greater God, those beautiful scriptures that we've forgotten about, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is He that is in me than is in the world. I thank you, Lord, that we are not living from defeat. We are living in victory.